Holy and Human. I'm Adam Foley. I'm Elisa Romeo. Today we're talking about free will and God. Hello, everybody. We're back again we're in back. quarantine. Uh, you may have noticed the podcast has slowed down a bit, but it's quarantine, so give us a break. It's <laughs> <laughs> Watching the kids is a lot of work, and uh, yeah, it's just been a lot, I'm sure, for everybody out there. But we really wanted to keep recording and put these out there because we know that now it counts uh, to get information like this. We want to be there for you all, but we also do this selfishly for us because this is a place where we get to connect and check in and just be with yeah. soul for a second. It's funny for because... For a goddamn uh, second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we feel sometimes that when we do a session or the podcast, that afterwards we feel much more connected because it kind of forces us to connect to our souls so we can be in our own little BS and or whatever, our rumination and then... But when we know we are showing up for somebody uh or for the audience we we dial into soul and take it seriously so we, we appreciate that we have a couple ideas Gift of... that keeps on giving <laughs> and giving and giving we have a couple ideas of some things we want to talk about today but this is one of those get comfy and cozy and we're just gonna wander around conversations yeah. actually i have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> i have today. a couple <laughs> ideas but i really have no idea yeah. where this is going to go also i'm a little sort nervous of... about it frankly <laughs> I we'll sort of see. miss. Wow, I wonder what's gonna happen. <laughs> well, I also kind of miss doing podcasts just with uh, you because we've been putting out a lot of interviews, which are great. I've loved having the opportunity to talk to guests, but I've also really like it when it's just the two of us and we can, you know, be a little more laid back. Yeah. In the groove. Well, what I wanted to start with, and you can take this wherever you want to, is. I think that there's no other time. This is one of the most important times to be connecting with our souls and to be getting that type of information. Uh, it's much easier to get soul information when life is going good. It's much harder to get soul information when there's a cloud of dark smoke literally around your house like ours is right now. For weeks. We are uh, getting surrounded by the wildfire smoke. Uh, ours is not as bad as some places, but it's it's pretty bad. We can't go outside here. Uh, but yeah, there is an oppressive feeling of it being quarantine and going on for six months. We've already, um, figured out a little pod for our six year old so that we can do kind of basically we're teachers two days a week and then sharing childcare with a couple other families, uh, to have overall less exposure. But then, so it's like just last week we turned the soul barn studio into a Montessori. So there was something really beautiful and we're so privileged to be able to do that. And also something sad about the space that we're, we're so excited to create so much more content for you guys is getting, <laughs> it's a little, it's now full, it's now of full preschool of toys, pouring yeah. objects and uh, yeah. little games and little kid stuff. And, Actually, a friend joked the other day. She's like, well, the mystery school, you're starting them really young over there. Because as some of you may know, on theholyheart.com, we're working to move our work together there into an online mystery school. And we will continue to work towards that. But all our timelines are just slower because we just have less time in yeah. quarantine with childcare. But we are getting there. Yeah. 
I mean, these times definitely aren't normal when we changed, changed this, the, you know, that's where we see in-person clients, which we're not doing anymore. We're just doing everything online. Uh, the, the barn, and if you've come out for a retreat, you know that this is where we do soul birthing. This is where we do really intensive energy work. This is where so many miracles, and I, I don't use that word lightly, like real True. miracles have miracles. happened in that space. And I think more miracles, miracles <laughs> will happen with the, uh, with the kids there, but it's not, you know, nor normal is far behind us. Uh, it's a huge adjustment. So this has been, uh, a journey of spiritual endurance for me as well. And the, the one thing when Elisa asked me if I want to do a podcast uh, right now that came first to mind was thinking about uh, the way in which we talk to our souls. I, uh, I was in a place about two weeks ago where I was overwhelmed and I was praying to God. And I had this feeling of like, like, please, God, can you help shift this? Can you move me into more clarity around this topic? I can't really remember exactly what it was, but it really felt removed. It felt like it was me and God, and there was a divide in between, that there was this far distance. And and so then I shifted to soul journaling. Then I was like dialoguing. So this was, I was just doing this in my head. So I shifted to okay, so what do you want me to know about this? And immediately I got so much information and it just really made me think about all the ways we pray, like all around the world, like how everybody is longing for this relationship to divine. And sometimes it can be so simple. It's like the truth is so obvious, we can't hear it sometimes. It's so close, it's hard to hear. It's the closest thing, right? Now, right now, if my soul says anything to me, he's like, this is weird, but he's like, you're, this is important information coming through. Like, that's just what my soul says, right? In this moment. Uh, and why I say that is just to give an example of like how sometimes the truth is so obvious and just kind of simple. And I think the, the spiritual game right now is to stay in that simple truth, mm -hmm. to not overcomplicate things, to mm -hmm. not think too much about the future right now. And to be in the present of the day yeah. of like, what does that mean for today? I think we talk sometimes about how God energy can be like the sun. And if you stare directly at the sun, you can burn your corneas. But I see soul as like the middle energy between the middle man, the middle man and woman, middle woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like where it's like, you, you know, I always say it's like, God to me is the ocean and souls, the raindrops and they're of the same source. Yeah. Uh, but yet they're individuated into these flavors of soul. And so also like, you know, in a house, you've got that grounding part when you plug in something into a socket, you've got to ground it. So you don't blow cord. out the, yeah. um, whatever you're plugging in. And I think soul acts as that the grounding piece sometimes to bring in God love information, but, to your individual nature so that it's in integratable, interpretable. Yeah. It doesn't give you like a crazy Kundalini blowout. And a lot of times what we use soul for is just like, how do I take care of myself today? What's the calm, loving, inner child, mothering uh, piece of information of how to deal with being a human on the planet today, which is so necessary in these times where the poles are getting more intense on the planet. There's more separation. There's more just opposition yeah. that's getting more and more extreme. How do we connect into the truth of our hearts with all the noise that yeah. will continue to increase for the next two years? Yeah. Soul definitely shows you how to be connected now. 
which I think is so important. When you try to go up sometimes and get that huge God picture, it's like the mystery of the universe. And it's mm-hmm. so much information, so complicated. And there I, is a mystery. I think there's yeah. a piece that stays a mystery. I don't yeah. think we're supposed to know every single little thing. I think that will blow us out. But staying in our energetic department of how do we best serve our soul mission in this incarnation, in this lifetime? How do we best align with what we're trying to embody and integrate yeah. in this this round. Yeah. Right now, I was just doing a soul session for Elisa, which we do for each other sometimes. If we're like, I feel a little disconnected, you know, and so we use each other. And it helps us because then yeah. you have to connect to soul, even if you're in a weird mood, to yeah. help us do it for each other. Yeah. Totally. And the information was don't forget your own soul mission in all this stay focused on what you're here to do stay focused on what your lessons are because it's so easy right now to think about how complicated the world is and all the different everything going on uh but to keep showing up as you and i think that's what soul often does i think you know i've been talking about wanting to talk about this in one of our podcasts of where I think it was probably about like a month ago now. I'm really bad with time, but I think it was about a month ago um, where I had a session of a man, healthy man in his 40s who died from coronavirus, left behind wife and two kids, little kids. And the wife was just kind of like, what was the sole contract of why this could possibly happen? How could this happen? And obviously it's a really hard question. It's not a simple answer and it doesn't take away any of the real true grief that comes from losing a soulmate. Um, but it was very interesting what he said to me, which was basically he had this kind of, it was this weird, so this was the spirit, the spirit, uh, this was yeah. the, soul the man crossed who crossed over, over was mm-hmm. telling me about why he crossed and what he was learning on a soul level and what his contracts with his wife were. And he was saying like, it's a really intense time on the planet. This is what all the souls keep telling me here and on the other side of like, and it's going to get more and more intense for the next, and he said two to three years. And I was like, oh, I could barely hear that clearly. Cause I was like, can this be over yet? Is this like going to shift? And he was like, no, it's going to continue to get more intense. So it's a marathon, not a sprint. But then he showed me this really beautiful sunrise on the other side of it, where even though we are really witnessing the systems breaking down and systems crumbling we there is a new consciousness level and like new systems that will be created on the other side of this it made me wonder about the election i think it's less even like who wins it's more like is the nature of our elections completely changing like is our whole like system changing um as stuff is being more and more exposed coming up but i think um he said something really interesting where it was like, why would you go now? And he basically in a neutral way, he loves his wife. He loves his kids. And it was like, there was this pain of being separated from them on like the physical, but there was also this feeling of this real clarity on a soul level of like, this is a revolutionary, really unique time on the planet. And you could kind of argue like there's been many times like that world war two, or, you know, like there's been a million times of like where within those periods, I'm sure people were like, this is crazy. Is this ever, you know, what is happening? Is this the end of the end of times? Yeah. Or like my mom in the sixties, you know, getting under her desk, wondering about uh, nuclear bombs, you know, like there's been crazy times for a long time, Hiroshima, whatever. But something is, really unique about this time in particular about 
fundamental, again, it's like the systems are really changing. I can't even speak to it enough, but it just feels like a, a reset button of like how we approach everything in terms of almost like, I don't know, it's really well, obviously. you think that America is like, has established itself as the leader of democracy or some of our version of what we you know call democracy and then we're going to force our version of democracy on the rest of people if that system changes the whole the whole world changes. yeah and, it, and it's never been a true democracy it's yeah. about our representatives representing of us anymore and then of course the indigenous people who were here on the land before whatever you know would say yeah that's the system has never worked for us so we're having this time of where there's in the collective there's been a lot of people who've been aware of the injustices and living that for years but right mm -hmm. now it's really about a revealing to the mainstream of the inequalities but at the same time it's even bigger than that of just like yeah it's like this reset button for all the systems but he showed me um this whole thing and then he said so if you're here at this time this is what i thought was so interesting of like if you're here on the planet at this time you bought tickets to the show and you're going to see a lot of people, mass exodus, spirits crossing over now in the next two years because it is such a vibration change down here that uh, a lot of people didn't buy tickets to the show. They didn't contract on a soul level to ground the energy throughout this transition and also to witness it from Earth. So just if you're listening, just know that I see it like we all bought tickets to the show and we bought tickets to the show if you're here until you're not here you bought tickets to the show for that's how much of the show you're going to witness and see. And it's truly intense and an honor to be here witnessing this and grounding this energy. And when I say grounding the energy, what that means is it's not like something you have to consciously do, although consciously can help if you're like literally earthing and grounding and like, you know, that can help all of us because the energies are so wild. But to me, grounding is often just, the inner work we've all done, the mm -hmm. soul work accumulating in the astral and physical body to hold a knowing consciousness in a room. Even if you're in a room of people freaking out, screaming, there's mass op opposition. You know, it's like the guru who's silent, who doesn't have to say a thing because the energy is just resonating through the room and people don't go to the guru to hear them say a speech on a particular thing. They go to see that person tie their shoelace because yeah. it's just consciousness is unavoidable it's and an it's energy everywhere. to consciousness yeah. yeah i mean there's a potential to be taken out by the birthing process so i think that's why it's important to ground and i think that a lot of people are grounding uh, un uh unconsciously they're just that's just they're kind of like i've seen those people in quarantine be like okay well i'm just going to show up for another day i'm just going to do this i think that's a very grounded yeah. energy in a, in a way that they're grounding through this birthing process even if they don't know they're grounding. And there can be something so um, self-care like about that thing of just showing up you know yeah just being like I'm not gonna think I think someday self-care soul does say like don't think too much about it today today just you know show up as a parent show up as a worker like or what or do your exercise or whatever yeah you're I hearing. think that's that's very grounding is those type of things right now uh, and it reminds me of Elise and I talk often about the transition phase in birth too, where there's this point in birth where, you know, I don't, I'm not going to speak about, I can speak about it energetically, uh, but well, you not, were there. You I was there, <laughs> but, were. uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to mansplain the transition of birth, I guess. Uh, but, uh, we, we wrote about it actually in the book, but then we took that part out cause we wanted to save that for something else. But 
we talked about the transition phase and Marion Woodman, uh, Jungian analysis, uh, analyst talks about this as well, about there being this peak in birth where there's a point where often the mother will say, I can't do this. It'll be like right before the birth actually happens. Whereas it's called there's the this transition phase. Yeah. Whereas there's this feeling of I'm done. This is, <laughs> this is past this is my, my limit, yeah. my extreme. And I think we're, we are collectively all going through that where we're all like, wait, can, can we make it through this? Like, remember wait. that one day we were checking in about how far we were with the collective birthing and we were trying yeah. to see where's the collective baby yeah. in terms of the birth canal. Yeah. So we literally used the metaphor of a birth and we looked at like the image where like, and we, we did like a psychic test. So we're like, where's the baby in the canal right now for like <laughs> the collective we birthing? And we kept, kept getting the same thing. And we got, you know, it was crowning, crowning. and then the forehead and I uh, think now we're feeling it's like the shoulders mm -hmm. like uh uh yeah and so i think that we have most of us have faced at this point where we thought quarantine would be much shorter we thought everything would get better by now and it's only getting more and more wild out there and so i think we've all reached the point where we were like can we do this or we can't do this but then we have to you just kind of keep showing up and so, and then you proved yourself that you can do this, which I think is that medicine of that knowing the transition phase of birth is like, there's that point where you're like, I can't handle this, but then you can, and you get through it. And then, you know, you can go to a further extreme and uh, trust yourself more. So this is, this time is a spiritual workout and uh, we're all making, uh, getting our spiritual what a credit Endurance. street cred <laughs> street cred with the spirits of there we're broken it yeah uh so, like i said we were gonna wander in this conversation i think that was a lot of information that i've been wanting to share for a while so i'm glad we oh, glad we got talked out about there. that the yeah. other thing i've been thinking about and mentioning in sessions recently has been and also you know some of you maybe you're fine maybe you're living more of an egoic i don't say that in a bad way life where you're you know privileged and protected and you're like why are these people so depressed and heavy and i think right now we have been in quarantine for six months we are doing a lot of child care and uh we're in a smoke cloud and we're also on the front lines with our sessions so we're hearing some of the most intense stories and i'm talking to lots of people who've crossed over from covid so i think just to give you a picture of that's like our reality and i think we're also having a lot of grace and beauty in our family where we're having a lot of like really sweet connective moments sometimes i've talked to uh, clients about that guilty feeling where there's certain things that are really working for people in quarantine a lot of introverts that are really enjoying not having to go into the physical old jobs or yeah. um being able to do virtual classes and yeah so you know it's it's interesting but it's definitely a shift but what i feel sometimes about the just going back to you talking to that crossed over soul is uh i've talked spoken to a few recently and the the one of the messages i always get is like them recognizing the blessings we have yeah. even when we are our egos are so stressed out right our egos are like interpreting things this way and like this is the worst thing that could be happening and but there's this feeling sometimes from these crossover souls that are that is like they're almost jealous of us over here uh i think in reverence of the work we do, but sometimes jealous of when you have good family and friends and food and whatever, uh, the things that we do have. And that can be a really hard feeling to access is that feeling of feeling lucky 
feeling lucky when we're in quarantine and in smoke and whatever's happening in your life. If you've lost your job, if you're having financial crisis, if you have to watch kids every single day, it really can be difficult to change the vibration and find that part of you that is not just grateful, but I, I like using the word lucky because it's it, it implies less work on our end. Like we're not working to feel our gratefuls. By the way, we do gratefuls every single day. We do gratefuls probably three times a day. So that's an active uh, exercise that we do because that really does change your vibration. But I have this sense from the crossover souls of that, just that fortunate feeling. So I like to connect to that and remember if, if you ask me what the most common message is from the souls crossover where it's, it's that it's kind of recognize how, how lucky you are. You know, I'm having such a deja vu moment and I literally don't know if I've talked about this before or if I'm just like having probably some have. kind we, of entry we like to of a talk timeline. About the same but topics, tell me if but... I've talked about this. So uh, another person, spirit, I've been thinking a lot about is this woman named Eddie Hillisum. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. It's H-I-L-L-E-S-U-M, Hillisum. Um, she was a Dutch author of these confessional letters and diaries, which talk about her religious awakening, the prosecutions of Jewish people in Amsterdam during, during the German occupation. So she was Jewish and she was a mystic at heart. Have I talked about this before on the podcast? I don't think so. Okay. So yeah, I'm just first time fully I'm having deja vu then. Yeah. Because I really can see like what's going to happen. And then after it's this, like you should out. psychically look at what deja vu is and seriously answer that question for yeah. us. I mean, I can actually like see what's coming next. It's really weird. But anyway. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> so hi, Eddie. Um, <laughs> so I'm really obsessed with her writings and her heart and her spirit. And I've been really pulling upon her, calling upon her for strength because it was during the Holocaust that she was just so overwhelmed by God coming into her body and feeling absolute love. Like the connection she writes about just like falling to the ground and feeling just the an insane amount of just bliss love during one of the most horrific physical world situations on the planet. So I feel like, you know, a lot of times a client asked me today, how many people on the planet do you think have incarnated their souls in terms of sainthood? Like to move to the point where you've incarnated your soul enough. Cause she was saying, you know, I think my um, grandkid is really soulful. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of us are really soulful, but there's a difference between being connected to soul and then like incarnating your soul to the level of becoming a yeah. sainted self. And I'm working on it. I'm not there, everybody. Yeah. So we're very know, transparent about that. Yeah, we're very like, I'm not there yet. So but just so you know, Elise and I, we see incarnation as a lifetime journey. So more you, than one lifetime. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, this ongoing process and to us incarnating your soul is the same as like christing as a title like what christ did of becoming a saint and and that process of surrendering and opening to every cell becoming love and really doing the shadow work of digging for all those places that's fear-based control-based manipulative and being honest with where we're energetically doing that and it's really hard ugly work so a minority of people do it a very small minority of people do actual true shadow work and most people are quite content just functioning as egos thinking they're spiritual people going to church on sunday or wherever synagogue or mass and kind of spiritual persona clocking in and feeling spiritual for a moment but not really doing the level of work like we're talking to about change your 
energy. I mm-hmm. think most people are lazy and most people haven't had <laughs> models for truly what this is. And I think the mystery school we're opening and everything we're going toward is like, we're not looking for dabblers. We're looking for those people that are really committed to the journey of becoming your soul. And so it is a... And you know who you are. You know who you are because you can't help it. If you've been, if you know, like initiated, yeah, it doesn't go away. If you if that itch has started for you, you know nothing will fulfill it, but it's a soul hole. It's yeah. only a hole your soul can fill. And it's let's not coin that one. It's it's yeah, beyond any other type of desire that once you, you become may conscious, have. you can't become less conscious. It doesn't and go you away. You can become more and more conscious throughout your life. Uh, and that can be uh, a painful experience in some ways because when you become more and more conscious, you might find people in your life that are staying unconscious and and you might wish you could go back. You might wish you could become a little less conscious. Sometimes I wish that. Like I'm like, I wish I could just kind of dumb it down a little bit and I wish I could receive less information about what's really happening in this situation. Yeah, somebody was so surprised about that the other day where it's like, you know, some of you may know my background as a psychotherapist. I've worked in very intense situations with gang members and pedophiles and incest survivor agency. It's like, once you awaken to like how many pedophiles are out there and you see it energetically, you don't necessarily want that information all the time. But it's also like it being conscious isn't about always being happy or being in a bubble. Being conscious is about being conscious, really it's about actually being aware what's of what's there. Yeah. And then can you be the spiritual warrior to find love even within the darkness? And I think that's why Eddie right now is so calling to me. One thing you were kind of mentioning before, and I've mentioned this in a couple of my sessions recently is um, as some of you may know, we're obsessed with Mr. Rogers. We truly believe Fred Rogers was sainted doing his incarnation of becoming a sainted self and if you have watched the documentary of his life i think it's called won't you be my neighbor it's so beautiful about like just what he did and who he is so some people don't know fred rogers was an episcopalian priest and he saw his show um what's the name of his tv show for the kids uh, Mr. The neighbor- Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Yeah, the name- I think yeah. so. Yeah. He saw that show as his ministry in the sense of, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk directly about God or whatever religion, but I'm going to use it as a place to channel love through to let kids know it's okay to feel your feelings. You're special just the way you are. You're loved for your soul, basically. And um, so I love reading his journals and materials, and he has great books, and he's just such a wise person. But in 1998, he wrote, in his journal yet at the heart of the original creation is that word call it love call it grace call it peace that essence which is lodged somewhere within each of us that longs for ultimate expression if we choose to allow it to grow we'll be given help if we choose otherwise we won't be forced If there is such a thing as a dark corner of God's nature, then I think it's God's refusal to go back on the promise of the creation's freedom to love or not. So what he's saying is God refuses. God is very stubborn in God's agreement of the free will of humanity. 
And we absolutely have free will if we're going to turn to soul, to divinity, to God, or if we're going to turn away. And that is so painful when someone you love is an addict and they're choosing fear and pain over and over and over again, and you love them and you want it more for them than they do for themselves. And you're like, can't you just choose love? Can't you just stop? And it's like, God, someone asked me today in a session, can't God just like rush in and just like change this right now? Because why did God make our ego so dumb next up to soul that we're so clueless, like barely any of us are going to get it and we're going to fumble around in the dark and we're going to like destroy the planet and like choose all these addictive things. But it's like, because God wants us, the creator, we're using the term God, but for us, that's reality appearing as it is the love hum behind everything that connects us all, that energy that is intelligent allows us to choose to be participants, co-creators, or to be stubbornly dumb. We get to choose that. And God is not going to enforce its will over us. So that's why we push soul journaling and connecting in with sessions and connecting with others who can, you know, who you have this secret language with because we need reminders because all of our egos are not, we're dumb. Yeah. Our smartest day as ego is pretty dumb until you go beyond the vibration of the ego into your true self, the essence of who you are and start to connect to the wisdom that's eternal. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Uh, you know, when we started this talking about the difference between connecting to God and soul, I really experience God as unconditional love, the purest form of unconditional love. And unconditional love doesn't care what you do. It loves you nonetheless. Mm. It loves you if you decide to be dumb your whole life, if you decide to be violent, if you decide to be racist. There's a lot, you know, it's uh, it's hard for us to fathom that we are loved and we're special it's no like matter the how. the action's not loved, but the soul behind it is loved. Yeah, yeah, the actions are not love, but I think it's really hard for us to imagine, really imagine a love like that, a love that doesn't... An unconditional love. That doesn't dish out punishments necessarily in the way that we do i think in our last interview with prentice i'm not sure if i had to cut this part out because of the audio was a little glitchy but uh prentice Prentice, yeah prentice said uh you know god didn't invent the prison systems Mm -hmm. we did we invented that form of punishment and so don't take this as my ideology as i i think that we we can do whatever we want to do but what i'm saying is god gives free will God gives free will, and that's what unconditional love is, in a way, is unconditional love is free will, in a way, because it's like, you choose, and I will show you that I love you, no matter mm. what, no matter what you do. Another person that I think is a incarnated saint is Gandhi, mm-hmm. is that ability to have be literally beaten down by British soldiers, and just staying in that state of Satyananda, which is seeing the that's a Hindu term for seeing the bliss behind it, seeing the love behind the veil Mm. and staying in that state, even when you're faced with so much hatred and oppression of seeing that love uh, in that other person. And uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But and so I think when we talk to God, when we try to pray directly to God or get information from God, the information is kind of mysterious and hard to grasp actual practical steps of what to do. 
because God loves us unconditionally no matter what we do. And and we can always access God and be in a state of receiving God, but we can do that no matter what we've done or no matter what we're doing, uh, no matter how far on the spiritual journey we are. You know, I think you can be very unspiritually developed and have a moment of receiving God or very spiritually developed and have no moments of receiving God. I think there's there's this mystery. Sometimes I think the windows open up between this realm and that, and sometimes it's closed. But with soul, I always find a consistent information and practical steps. And for me, that is the cho free will choice of, am I going to be dumb in this lifetime, dumb we're using for unconscious, or am I going to be conscious? And I whenever I connect with soul, I have this feeling of now, oh, I'm suddenly, I suddenly become conscious of what I'm feeling. That's the first mm -hmm. feeling I get when I dialogue with souls. I'm like, oh, I'm actually feeling sad about this thing I didn't even realize I was feeling sad about or I'm or I had this idea I thought was such a good you know mm. business idea or such a good you know idea for this thing and my soul's kind of like no that doesn't feel aligned <laughs> and so yeah. so I immediately become aware of all the places that I already am because you leave ego and persona yeah. and you start to identify with yourself as an essence which can yeah. be uncomfortable because you can feel things you didn't realize you're feeling most people never do that so they're just functioning as a persona and ego of like great I'm feeling happy yeah everything's good but you can tell there's like a manic quality because they're not actually connected to their true feelings yeah so I think the choice to soul dialogue, and which is a benefit is, of people who yeah. connect to their soul is like, to me, there's just a trustability of yeah. people who are more embodied because they're more connected to really what they're, yeah. where they're at energetically yeah. instead of a presentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, it's hard sometimes to even talk about spirituality or religion because there's so much projection of God based on with the conscious level that you're at. Yeah. Like some people can say, I'm an atheist and that can mean different things to 10 different people. Or I believe in God and that can really mean 10 different things to 10 different people, I think. Yeah. And so then we try to have like a universal conversation, but it's really like everybody's on their soul journey. And sometimes you need to have your understanding of, you know, maybe at first it's a God who's like a Santa Claus. It gives you egoic presence. And maybe that's what yeah. you need for your level of consciousness. And then you get beyond that. And then you're like, yeah. oh, maybe a God's about of being of service. And now God's about connecting to other people collectively. Yeah. And one thing that I really identified with. And so I was raised Jewish. And so I, but I still felt the cultural Christian paradigm of like, I feel like my relationship with God was very Christian based even though I was raised Jewish, yeah. just because that's like the culture it's that we're in. we're in. Yeah. yeah. And so I really had this like, I'm here, God's here. This is how I pray. And I had this, this subtle programming of I need to be good to be able to access God. And yeah. recently I revisited that story, The Prodigal Son. And I think I, I love the, the depths of that story because right there is the Prodigal Son is there's this father. He has two sons and uh the sons can are going to inherit his farm and his wealth and all this one son stays with the father and is very diligent and dutiful and is the good son he t takes care of the farm and so he's showing up so it's a metaphor right of the person that's like every day i'm gonna pray to god i'm going to before i go to sleep i'm gonna this is my this is how i'm being good disciplined, yeah. you know good discipline being a good christian i'm gonna say that as like that's the paradigm i think that sometimes comes from uh, and then the other son goes off and gambles his money away and who knows what and comes back. And then the father uh, welcomes him equally, if not more, than the son that has been showing up. And so I think the whole point of that story is that 
do, being good is not necessarily how we access God because God is unconditional love. Like you are always loved. And that's what it's, and that's hard for us to accept. Sometimes we feel like we have to do something to Especially deserve if we've love. We've never experienced that in the physical realm. If we never had parents or friends yeah. who've loved us actually unconditionally, we don't believe that to be a reality. So how do we fathom that? We think we have to of... do something to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think soul really shows you it's right there all yeah. the time and that there's very little you have to do. My soul most of the time is like, take a break, sit down, relax, just enjoy yourself, enjoy your family, feel fortunate, gratitude, you know. And I think when you're in that state, then it's really hard to make poor choices. Then it's really hard to do violence against others. Then it's very hard to. And so it's less coming from a system of ideas of what you should or shouldn't do and more coming from the energy of what you're in. When yeah. you're in your soul, you you're in the energy. You're just of love. a better person. You're just a better <laughs> yeah. person. Let's admit it. We're yeah. biased, but you know yeah. this is why we're. But biased. we're also right. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a lot. I didn't think we'd go 36 minutes, but yeah. I feel like we needed to do we that. We wandered. We definitely wandered, but it was a good. Wandering. I'm thinking of two more topics in my head for two two other podcasts now. Well, why don't we? Yeah, cut but this I think one this short one and be and we'll do another the 12 one. 12 hour marathon, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. We have slowly launched our website theholyheart.com so you might notice holyandhuman.com doesn't exist anymore and i want to uh, say if, yeah. if you love this podcast and if you love meet your soul give us some reviews because right now we're shopping publishers for our second book holy love which is about meet your soul for relationships basically how to do insane amazing mystical work with your children partner anyone in your wor world and life so if you love to meet your soul, if you go on Amazon or Goodreads and give it a review, I would highly appreciate it because that's currency for us and helps us show that there is a market out there for people who want this shit. So we want to give it to you. And um, yeah, so please help us help you. Yeah. <laughs> help us. Yeah. Help everything. Yeah, publishers don't always see energetics and or listen to their souls. <laughs> yeah. they, they look for they look algorithms and equations. So yeah. sometimes, and we usually focus on the energetics, so sometimes we forget the physical world details of like, you know, that part of yeah. the world. Anyways, that's that's helpful for us right now. So uh, rate Elise's book on Amazon or the podcast. Uh, that would be great. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we will be back soon.